everybody music It's an ancient genre and the latest craze Everybody music It's a human revolution, not a passing phase Cause everybody is a musical body Designed from the ground up to connect And everyone can be a music gardener All you got to do is sow Seeds of music wherever you go Don't forget to word them though Everybody music It's us So in uh, 2019, September 8th I recorded uh, an interview with Seta who had been a student in my class in the spring of 2017, Prescott College. The class was called Creating Community Through Music. And um, he introduced me to this idea of like this, the industrial, the music industrial complex uh, connection to the prison industrial complex. And, you know, I might find myself going into that some other time. But for now, I'm just, um, I think this is a really interesting interview with a really interesting person who, um, it feels like a, a song listening to this interview. It's these lyrics that take me to different places each time. And I feel like I learn things, I think about things. So I'm just going to let Seta speak right now. Okay? Enjoy. Okay, so how, how does this, um, you're recording two songs yeah. today, and um, tell me a little bit about, you know, hip-hop in general, how it, like, relates to what you've been working with at the college, Prescott College. Okay, at Prescott College, okay, um, hmm. ooh, okay, so how is hip-hop time back to my So, I've been studying cultural and regional studies, which is like sociology, humanities, and anthropology. Um, hip-hop itself, um, it was, it's, it's a symbolism of unity among black and brown people, between uh, blacks, Apaches, Puerto Ricans, people from my tribe, Jamaicans that all lived in, I'll particularly say the Bronx, particularly the west side, the west, the west side of the Bronx is where it started at, but particularly the west and south Bronx. And um, itself, it, um, it just shows us like hope, you know, that there was change. It gave us a voice. It gave us like, it let us know that we weren't going to be continually be suppressed through our community. It, um, I mean, hip hop itself, um, it started right after the big gang meeting that took place on Hoe Avenue around December 1971 with um, the Ghetto Brothers. They were uh, one of the biggest and baddest gangs in New York City. They were um, also televised. You can look them up. They had interviews. They were constantly on the TV. Um, and they teamed up with the, uh, what was the National Puerto Rican Liberation Party? They teamed up with them, and they were really, they were really for the community. Even though they were one of the biggest and baddest gangs, they were like, hold up, we can use these numbers for something else, you know, we can improve our community. And um, after the big meeting happened, um, by the way, the Warriors is based off of that meeting that took place on Hoa Avenue. They gathered all the gangs in New York City, they used seven delegates, and um, they formed one of the biggest truces, and afterwards, there was more unity throughout New York City among black, black, black and brown people, among like Puerto Ricans, Jamaicans, um, Apaches, like, you know, just all of that. And um, shout out to the Black Spades, Seven Immortals, 
and the Savage Nomads. Those three gangs, they came together and they formed the United Zulu Nation. Um, I met, I, I kicked it with one of the Black Spades back in St. Mary's Park. Um, and yeah, they, you know, together, those three gangs, um, you know, they were of different ethnicities. They came together and they formulated hip hop. You know, DJ Cool Herc, you know, he started the whole um, drum loop, you know, the funky drummer loop. He took that from uh, James Brown, you know, as people were dancing to it. And he created a series of loops after that. And um, afterwards, people started doing call and response because they're like, all right, we can DJ, but we need in crowd interaction. We need that engagement from the crowd. That's how we're going to rock this whole thing. So, um, you know, after that, um, people just started emceeing, you know, they were like, you know, a lot of people, they took some of their roots, you know, subconsciously, you're going to take your roots that you've been practicing for thousands of years, and you're going to implement that while you're performing. So that led to, you know, emceeing, people doing, some people say it was poetry, I just feel like, no, people was just like, you know, saying a few words, letting the crowd say it, and then somebody's like, hold up, let me see if I can do this longer. So, you know, you got four bars, then you're like eight bars, 12 bars, now everybody got 16s. So, you know, that's, um, and that comes from our culture. You know, if you ever go down to the Yavapai Apache Nation Exodus, you listen, I'm not going to say, I mean, I can't, you know, um, reiterate what they say, but if you check it out, you see some of the roots of hip hop from that. You know, um, if you listen to some of the chatting that they do in Jamaica, you listen to some of the traditional ceremonies for like the Arawak and the Tainos in the uh, St. Elizabeth Parish of Jamaica, you listen to that. You see the indigenous roots from Jamaica of the Arawak that's implemented within hip hop. If you listen to the Rastafarians, how they chat with the brethren and stuff, you know, and you listen to that, you're like, okay, I see, I see where the roots come from. Mm. And you know, through hip hop, our culture is surviving through that. Mm. You know, it's just a, um, I guess you could say it's a, it's a melting pot of like our cultures coming together, and um, you know, just making magic. And also, by the way, um, there's a four-four rhythm in hip hop. A lot of people don't know the 4-4 four, four rhythm comes from indigenous people in the Americas. It can't be found anywhere else. Well, which 4-4 four, four rhythm? The 4-4 four, four rhythm. Dun, 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 dun. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. It's a 4-4 four, four rhythm, though. That comes from the Americas, because that's a replication of the heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's another thing a lot of people don't know about. Okay. And um, I mean, I can go on and on about this. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, I just figure, why not? You know, until Lucy gets here, maybe. Yeah. Or, or you know, we'll set some stuff up. But um, can you just identify yourself um, um, and, you know, your name for this? And, uh, okay. um, and, and, you know, you're a student at Prescott College, right? Yeah, but I'm currently taking a leave of absence. Right. Getting okay. myself together right now. But we're talking, right, right, um, how are you going now? Because your name, like every time I talk to you, you it's a different name. No, no, it's the same name. I've been set. My artist name has always been set that since I was 16. It's never changed. Like you can look up on SoundCloud, you can see it all the way back to 2013. I've always used Seta. Seta. Yeah, Seta. Okay. Yeah. Which means arrow. Which means arrow. The right. reason why I chose Seta because when I first, anybody that's listened to my music, the first style I used was favela funk, which is from Brazil. I incorporated that a lot. A reason why I use that, being black and native, there's a lot of people there of that same mix that created a whole new genre in Brazil. And I related to it because like, I grew up like, I grew up in the hood, also grew up in the city reses, I grew up in the barrios. Not that different from the favelas, from those type of neighborhoods, it's not that different. So there was a, a producer by the name of Sango, a lot of people know Sango. Bryson Tiller knows him, um, Tina, what is it, Tina Shea? She knows him. And um, he, he took that sound from Brazil and he started flipping it with trap music. So it just created a whole new sound. And I might go back to it, I might not, 
but that was like my original sound. And so I was like, all right, well, if I'm gonna be using these beats from the favela, I might as well use a favela name. That's what I felt. And then I looked up in Portuguese. I just, you know, I'm looking through port, you know, I'm looking through um, the Portuguese language. I'm like learning some of the words and stuff because I'm listening to it. I might as well learn it. And then I was like, well, my travel name means Arrow. You know, my travel name is Arrow. And like, that's what the homies well, call me. Which tribal name, like particularly, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Um, your tribal background. Okay, so it depends on like what, what clan you come from or like, you know, there's certain things that you go through. If you come from, I guess you could say like a, I don't want to, because I'm, I'm not definitely not a warrior. I'm like an ambusher. That's what type of training I went through. If you go through a particular training and whatnot, after you're done, you know, based on the traits of your spirit, or like, you know, just based on the trace of your spirit, and even sometimes on the day and the alignment of the Venus calendar, they determine your name from that. So your name should always be a reflection of who you truly are, your spirit. So Arrow just, you know, it puts it up in one. A protector, um, that's mainly what it means, like a protector and someone that's like of direction. So that's... Okay, so where, 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 were, you brought, where were you brought up? Right. Oh man, I lived in multiple places. You can't say one yeah. place. Yeah. Um, so you asking where I'm from? Yeah. Oh, this is a hard question, man. <laughs> it's a hard question. So which um, which nation like do you identify with like uh, native? Oh, Aniowia. 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 Aniglito Ganahita is the clan. Ah. Yeah. Aniowia. Aniglito Ganahita is the clan. Daguado Galtrida. Yeah. Um. What what part of the country is that? Um, Appalachian Mountains, yeah, North Carolina. I mean, we all over. We in cities yeah. too. It's hard right, to just right. be like, I don't. It's the, I know we're definitely in Appalachian Mountains. We got there's you know a reserve over there, Oklahoma. I got a bunch of family out there in Muskogee and Tulsa and stuff. And um, we even down in Mexico too. Mexico is known as. I've been doing research and like, just looking more and more. That's like the motherland. I'm finding out. And Sequoia, when he was on um, finished writing a language, his goal was to go back to Mexico to like, you know get it to the rest of us from our tribe. And I just, you know, doing, I'm still, I got a visit down there in Coahuila. But, um, we're, I mean, we're all over. It's hard to put us in just in one box. We right. travel, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. We're migrants, man. No, yeah, <laughs> I, you can't put you in a box. I can't anyway. Some people try. So um, I wanted to ask you, uh, you're doing these two songs today. Yeah. Right? And, and um, so these songs reflect something for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. but can you tell us, you know, and also because I think, you know, um, I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. It's about uh, building bridges. Um, and, Definitely. And I come from a musical background, and so I always try to bring a little music in. Mm-hmm. So, um, and considering you're doing these songs and you've been talking about music, can you see these songs as, as bridge builders in some kind of way? Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> Oh, so the one song I'm working on with Lucy, I've been dying to work with Lucy. It's been literally, believe, it's about to be two years since we were supposed to record this song. Mm. But, you know, things happen, life happens or whatever. Um, but this song is called Never Spoiled. Um, I have a version without Lucy because I did it myself. Because, like, you know, it's like, you know, you're always waiting for a collab, but you're like, all right, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to fulfill it. But now I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to just erase that hook. Let's get you on the hook. And then, like, officially, officially release it. But the song Never Spoil um, is just, like, it's showing more restorative love for, like, particularly indigenous and Polynesian women. 
because um, I just feel like there, there isn't any type of restorative love. A lot of people, they look at them as, um, Come you know, for tokens and stuff like that. Oh, is your closet. Okay, we're just finishing a little conversation here. Okay, cool. Never been in here. So you must be Lucy. I am. Hi, I'm Jonathan. Nice to meet you, Jonathan. Good to meet you. Okay. We do a little work at Hair, but not an official meeting. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so different contexts. Yeah. Everyone looks different. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just finishing up. We're doing a little interview here. Okay. So um, we're just going to wrap up about these songs and okay. like what they mean to you in terms of uh, musical bridge building. Okay. All right, oh, okay, we're talking yeah, about the last song. Okay, so Never Spoil, that song. Um, so back to what I was talking about. It's mainly talking about, like, indigenous and Polynesian women, mainly yeah. native and um, Polynesian women. Um, it's obvious, I mean, my verse is clear as day, like, it's talking about love and sex. Hella clear as day. But um, in that sense, I'm not, like, degrading women. I'm not being derogatory about it. I'm trying to go against like you know what I'm seeing on the top ten in the Billboard charts, and at the same time you know um, I grow up, I come from a community where MMIW is like that's that's an everyday thing missing murdered Indigenous women like it's every year it doesn't it's it's I have to prepare myself to know two or three of my homegirls are going to end up might end up in China one might end up in Vancouver one might end up in San Francisco one might end up in San Diego um, the thing about those places. A lot of girls get trafficked from there. They get, end up in China from there. They end up in Australia or wherever. And that's, that's a thing, and that's just a reality for me. And I literally save up money aside in case they give me that call, like, hey, I'm here. Can you get me out? Somebody left me here. You know, I always prepare myself for that. So, and you know, a lot of like, I will speak out. There's a lot of men from like both, you know, I got Samoan homies and Tongan homies. Not really homies, but I would say friends, acquaintances. That like, you know, they degrade them, they speak in derogatory, you know, they look at them as just tokens. You know, they don't look at the women as like, you know, they don't recognize the roots where they came from. You know, like we both need each other. We just can't look at somebody like, you know, use them how the, how the fuck you want to, basically. You know, and um, just showing, just trying to show more love, show more, you know, show more sympathy for one another. You know, I listen to music nowadays and nobody's really talking about love at all. That's kind of sad. When I was growing up, there was a bunch of, I know in my generation, there was a bunch of R&B songs talking about love. You know, people were thinking about relationships or something. And, you know, I ain't saying relationships is everything, but, you know, if you're not talking about love or anything, how are you going to even work on self-love or self-care? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, something, that's just something to think about. You know, yeah. as you make a song about that and you show it to other people, you know, it starts up a new conversation. It starts up a new idea, a new paradigm, hopefully, you know. So that's from the song, Never Spoil. I Need Your Loving, same thing, basically. So that's what you're about, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because somewhat. I mean, I got other topics and stuff, but like, that's that's the message I'm trying to get through. Well, love, songs. you know, love seems to be predominant. Yeah. Seems to be a big deal for you. Oh, definitely. So, because um, in our communities, there's really no love. <laughs> right, right, right. And considering that music is love, to yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So, like, it seems ridiculous that songs aren't <laughs> about love when that's what it is. So, and so you're, you know, I, I like to keep that perspective when I go into a recording situation. I like to. Kind of bring that in, you know. See, okay. is that what we're bringing in? Yeah. Are we bringing in love? Yeah. Me working on music is self love, so right. it's all love. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. Okay. Oh. Well, that's great. Thank you. So um, I appreciate that. And uh, let's. I mean, let's you might have to down. edit out the curse words or something, but no, unless you no, want to keep, I didn't keep it real. Curse words. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>